You're listening to The Co Show, a father-daughter intergenerational conversation about the subjects that really matter. Welcome. This is The Co Show, a daddy-daughter cross-generational podcast born at the beginning of lockdown in the UK in March of this year, 2020, when the COVID-19 pandemic hit us all in the face and changed the world. I'm your co-host, Tony Coe, better known as Big Tone, talking to you from the North Cotswolds village of Elmley Castle. Did you just say Cotswold? I did. And, you know, I've just been picked up by a number of listeners who told me that I've been saying Elmsley Castle. Elmley, isn't it? Elmley. And that's where I, I don't even, can't even say where I live. But it's the Cotswolds village of Elmley Castle. And I'm joined today, and she's already hackling, heckling me in the background, as always, by my co-host and daughter, Tony, otherwise known as Lil Tone. Joining me from her home on the south coast of England in the famous historic village town of Hastings. Not a village, is it? What is going on with you? I don't know. I'm on something. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing today? I've got a bit of a headache. I know. I've I've been suffering from a sore throat. Uh Uh-oh, autumn is coming. I, it's been so painful it's been very difficult to swallow and since we had since we were going to a dinner party our, our first here in Elmley Castle on a Thursday night I decided I'd better go and check the symptoms thing the tool the 111 tool the NHS tool it's actually very good yeah. And he said, it basically said, no, no, no way. got coronavirus. No way. No, I didn't phone them. I went online. I, I couldn't, no, phoning people is just not my thing. You just, you spend hours on the phone these days trying to reach anybody and then you usually get passed from pillar to post. So I used the online tool and uh, it was very clear and uh, said, no, you haven't got COVID. Just look after yourself. It says, take paracetamol. <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. So, uh, today we're going to talk about the COVID-19 pandemic. What the heck is next? Um, but before we talk about that, I did a little cheeky one, another, my second little cheeky one. And I know you, weren't, you didn't really approve of that, but I felt I had to get the narrowboating thing out of my system. Well, I'm so glad I, you uh, managed to do that without me. <laughs> <laughs> I know you weren't keen, so I went ahead just a little mini episode um and uh i hope those of you listeners who are interested in the narrowboat um our new narrowboat um and our first our first voyage um got something out of that and uh i might even do a q and a at some point because i know there are still some questions that particularly our american listeners have with regard to the whole thing about narrowboating. So we started, as I said, in March of this year with this podcast, and uh, it was brought about as a result of the COVID thing and us all being locked into our homes, not being able to go anywhere. And uh, things, a lot of things have changed, haven't they, Tony? Yeah, I think we've come a bit full circle, really, haven't we? 
Well, in my life, my life's completely changed. Oh, I thought you meant as <laughs> just the coronavirus, but yeah, um, I think all of our lives have changed, haven't they? Yeah. So, what's going on with you? You know, I saw you on Sky News. Tell us about that. Um, so, uh, Sky News were looking to talk to someone about um, not getting the funding, the, the emergency funding. Um, you better just quickly say what you do. Oh yeah, I work. For, I work for a music venue, and uh, obviously, um, there was this massive emergency funding and con- cultural relief funding that was announced um, a couple of months ago, or something like that. Um, and the emergency funding was to prevent um, venues from, who were going to go insolvent by the end of September. And I was in quite a unique position where we have two venues, and one venue was successful, and the un- other venue wasn't. So they kind of wanted to talk to me briefly about that i mean they i I had a 15 minute interview and i literally was on there for like 10 seconds that's part of the course yeah i was like you always cut out all the good stuff and you just leave the the bad stuff but yeah they wanted to kind of like question why we might not have got the funding for the smaller venue yeah so i did that so i saw that um andrew lloyd webber was doing something like you know, getting involved in the whole testing process, but using himself as a guinea pig. Yeah, because he wants the theatres back open. Um, and obviously theatres have been hit as well, particularly grassroots, you know, independent small ones. Um, and he's supporting the, the theatre sector and so put himself forward for the testing, the antibody testing. He said, I will do anything to get live performance back up. He's not really talking about live music, but yeah, he's talking no. about theatre. But but I mean, it's it's amazing. It's amazing that he's putting himself forward to do that. You know, really, we we all need to open, not at a reduced capacity because it isn't affordable. Of course, it isn't. Uh, I mean, all of our costs are based on capacity. So, you know, even rent, like the fact that people have taken on a building with certain costs. They're expecting to be able to get a certain amount of people in the room and that's all changed now. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, my venues won't exist at, uh, at reduced capacity. So there has to be some sort of testing process and, and a, a way in which people can prove that they're COVID safe. So let's just get back to basic basics. How have our different, cause this podcast is about, looking at things from a cross-generational perspective. A generation, as we've established in previous episodes, is 30 years, generally thought of as 30 years. I'm about 30 years older than you as your dad. We obviously are going to see things differently. Uh, So how has your life changed as a result Um, of COVID? Well, the socialization side of it's massively changed. You know that I'm a... um, someone who socializes all the time it that it's just that kind of a job and that kind of a community just i would i would be driving to brighton every day it would be like a three-hour commute every day to brighton um including like round trip i mean and i would usually be working with people at the venue i would usually have shows happening in the evening so i'd see bands i'd see djs um if i wasn't working then i'd be going to my going to shows um and it's just meant that that 
that socialization aspect has completely changed because people are still socializing, but they're just doing it through the internet. You know, they're doing it through Facebook um, rooms or they're doing it through Zoom or through Skype or whatever. Um, but yeah, essentially I've been locked in my house for the last five months. But is that, I mean, is that, has it had any positive benefits for you in your life? Yeah, it's had lots of positive benefits. I mean, commuting, I, ha I hate commuting. It feels like a massive waste of time and money um, for me. Um, so I, I've had more time to be with my husband, to be with my animals, because we've got a dog and two cats. I've been able to enjoy being in Hastings and in our house more, which I hadn't previously had any quality time in our house. I've uh, got new hobbies, like I started taking, taking film photos. Um, I've had more time to draw and bake and stuff like that. Um, so those are all positives, um, but there have definitely been negatives as well. Um, you know, I've had to cancel lots of holidays this year. Uh, Tom and I had had planned to do some, several big holidays, which we've never really done before because we've never really been, been able to afford to do them. And we'd planned a couple of big ones, one being to America, uh, which have both canceled. Um, I think that lockdown's driven everyone slightly crazy in terms of their emotional health because we're not getting that social interaction. So we're then, that social interaction is, is happening online and that's not always the best way to kind of express yourself. I don't know. I, I definitely feel like I've used social media a bit as a crutch for having lack of pe people in person. I think the lack of, the lack of socialization is a really big one. Um, yeah. and, and, just the uh, just being able to hug your family and you know people weird, isn't it? Not being care and love that. about is really weird. Yeah. Um, and I think that humans crave that contact. Definitely. So I think that is a, a big disadvantage. But the first things that you mentioned, I mean, the commuting. I mean, I I stopped commuting well, you know, many 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 years before this situation, and I would say it was the biggest. It was the biggest thing in my life that really dramatically improved my quality of life in a in one fell swoop. You know, not having because I had driven, you know, an hour and a half to work and an hour and a half back pretty much every day for thirty years plus, and it's amazing when you don't have to travel anywhere any distance you know it's, it's the same distance for me it's an hour and a half there and an hour and a half back and yeah the problem is is that you're waking up and rushing out the door and then you're coming home when you know the light it's dark out and you know you've lost all the natural light um i, I miss out on the dog walk i miss out on you know enjoying taking the time to cook dinner everything's a rush all the time and also, you're sitting, you know, when you're in, you're in the car, as you, you and I both dip, commuted by car, um, and you're in a stressful environment because driving is stressful. It can be, especially with how irritable people are and rude and generally bad on the road. You're in a polluted atmosphere as well. And from my perspective as a dad, I mean, I missed out so much on seeing you four girls. I mean, you know, just... I would often not get in till gone eight, often nine o'clock at yeah. night. You'd be in bed. I wouldn't get any, you know, and I would leave before you got up in the morning. 
Yeah. Because you had to. I mean, the only way to get to work at a reasonable length, you know, in order to avoid the awful traffic was to leave at about 6.30 maximum, uh, latest 6.30 in the morning. Well, I was that's the thing with the, with, the, with the rush hour is you're always trying to get ahead of it. So you're leaving earlier to get ahead of the rush in the morning and you're leaving later on the way back to miss the rush hour on the way home. So for me, the light thing is a big difference. In, in winter, I get up in the dark and I get home in the dark. And mm. it's quite depressing. And that's the nicest thing about when it becomes summer because you, you leave work and you get home and it's still light until sometimes 10 o'clock at night. And that makes a big difference. But, but yeah, you're right. I think that removing the commuting is a, is a, has made such a big impact. But also... I don't see, now that I know that I can work from home, I don't really see how I can go back to commuting five days a week. No, and I think a lot of people are feeling like you. Um, you know, I, I, think, uh, I think I read a prediction this morning that, you know, 60% of the workforce by Christmas will be probably have be working permanently from home. I mean, I, I very much doubt that the venue that I work for, the venues that I work for, will be open until like March next year. Yeah. The so, other thing, of course, about commuting, Tony, is the, um, is the cost. Well, actually, it's cheaper for me to commute. It's, 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 well, then it's, to stay at home. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's cheaper to, to commute. Sorry. I don't know where I was going with that, but I was going to say it's, it was, it's cheaper for me to get the train and to get the to drive. Yeah, but, but that's what I mean. A lot of people pay many I thousands of quid a month, I think. A lot of people pay many thousands of pounds per year to, to, for a season ticket to commute on the train just That's to go, get in a box, go spend hours going into London in order to turn around at the end of the day and go in the same box back, very often without a seat. Yeah, but I mean, the opportunities are, there are more opportunities in London. So un unfortunately, that is a choice isn't it i mean but that's I, a mindset isn't it that's all changing the, there are many opportunities in london there were many opportunities in london maybe there still are many opportunities in london but that's all changing because people companies are realizing that they don't have to get their work they don't have to make their workforce come into london no but it is there is a benefit to being at work i think um there, there are for me there are lots of benefits to being there feeling part of a team bouncing ideas off each other in person is so much better than bouncing off each other on zoom um you know there's structure to your day which is really good i mean like when i'm working from home the 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 temptation to just work in my pajamas like because my my desk is like right next to our bed so if I wake up late, I'm like, oh, crap. And I get straight onto my computer and then I'm in my pajamas until four o'clock. And because I'm just working relentlessly, you know, and the, and the fact that commuting means you have to get up, you have to get washed, you have to get dressed, you have to get out. Um, but I these, are, these are matters of self-discipline, aren't they? I mean, you can get into a situation where you, I mean, like I'm doing this from my home, but I'm doing it from my home office. And I've got showered and, you know, I haven't fallen out of bed. Well, but that's um, years and years of programming, program, programming yes. in which you've gone down and you've had a team that have been meeting you. Yeah. You know? uh, well, that, that's just, that's an assumption. But, but I haven't, you know, I, I haven't had the same situation. As no, there's an adjustment to be made. There's no question about it. You're, you're right. There's an but adjustment. Things come into the play, like mental health and stuff like that. And yep. you, like 
people's mental health have been really challenged in this time. True, but people's mental health is all also impacted when they can't see their children, and um, you know can't you know they miss their whole children growing up, which is the way I feel. I mean, I didn't miss you completely growing up, but to me, the holidays were everything because the holidays were the only time you know when we went boat, we talked about boating till the cows come home you know with our boating holidays and things like that they were everything to me because that was the only time really that i had any real quality time with and you they're not also holidays reflective of real life either they're no like well that's that's true also but when i look at for instance your elder sister tracy and her family with brad and the our two youngest grandchildren now i mean they so love bringing you know bringing those children up together being at home, you know, as a, as a family unit and, and having the flexibility to, you know, to, to construct their own day, not having an employer that is, you know, prescribing every moment the way everything has to be done. You know, that, that is changing. Company employers are realizing that they don't have to manage by supervising people to the extent of you know, how often they go to the toilet or when they have their, how long their lunch break is and when they start, when, when they finish, which really comes, goes back to the industrial revolution days when the, the workers came in from rural areas into factories and they, they you know, they, they, they clocked on at a certain time and the whistle blew and they clocked off. And that was the way things were managed. And there were supervisors, you know, making sure that they didn't for one moment lose any second of productivity. And things have moved on, but I still, when I hear employ, when I see, when I hear people with that kind of mentality still talking, I mean, I've heard Nick Ferrari, for instance, on LBC, who has this sort of old school mentality that everyone has to get back to work, and you know they they can't be trusted to to do a good day's work unless you're on top of them all the time and you're constantly cracking the whip and motivating them and so on and so forth. Well, there is a place for motivation, certainly there is, but. I still think that people can be trusted uh, to work. Um, and, you know, if, if, they, if they're not producing the output, um, then something has to be obviously be done about that. But I don't think they need to be supervised and not trusted. Well, I think if someone's not trustworthy, then they're not a good employee. You just don't keep them on. You don't keep someone on that's not doing the work. Right. I mean, I think this, this problem with employers not trusting people is just ridiculous to me. Uh, you know you have a set of things that you want them to achieve by the end of the day. If they don't achieve them, then, then they're not doing the job. Of course, the other side of this is, and I can hear people almost saying it um, now, uh, uh, that people will be saying, listening to this, well, a lot of jobs that you can't do from home. And that's true. You can't be a plumber from home. You can't be a, well, you can be a hairdresser to a certain extent from home, but it's difficult. You can't build houses, you know, you can't be a nurse, doctor, you whatever. You just have to have safety, uh, you know, you have to have safety precautions in place. Like I, I think I've said to you loads of times, I think that there's, there's just, we're finding a new normal. And I hope that if we're going into a second peak in October, November, then you'd hope that we'd be better prepared because of this first, you know, lockdown. Um, and then perhaps everything won't have to close because there'll be... <laughs> processes in place for us to be able to continue i don't know the only thing i worry about is the country going bankrupt well the economy is a huge thing which we'll probably talk about in a moment but do you even understand the rules at the moment i do yeah okay but, what, but, what, 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 what do you think they are what do you mean 
I understand that you need the to rules about what we can do in terms of meeting other people. Um, well, you know, I know that we can still we can meet up to six people on outside. Um, and I understand that you can have people in your own bubble in your own house. I know that shielding has ended. I know that if I go into a shop or a supermarket, I mean, that is a shop, any place that, in which I'm looking for a service, I need to wear a mask, apart from if I'm in like a restaurant or cafe, which is a bit weird. But, but um, I think it's just common sense, isn't it? Well, I think, the, I think people are applying common sense, but I, and I think that's good, going back to your point about trusting people. But the, the thing is that I, I just don't really get the rules. I mean, I'm, I've just been, I looked at the BBC's website and I didn't understand what they were. I couldn't tell whether they were talking about when people were outdoors or whether they were indoors because they didn't say. So I went straight to the government's um, website and it talks about what should I still be avoiding? Talking about the relaxing of the lockdown. What should I, it's rather than saying what you can do, it says what you can't do. What should I still be avoiding? So you should not socialize indoors in groups of more than two households. Yeah. Anyone in your support bubble counts as one household. I'm not even sure what a support bubble is. You'll probably tell me in a minute. This includes when dining out or going to the pub. So that's the first bullet point. Second bullet point, you should not socialize outdoors in a group of more than six people from different households. Gatherings larger than six should only take place if everyone is from exclusively two households or support bubbles. The third bullet point, interact socially with anyone outside the group you are attending a place with even if you see other people you know, for example, in a restaurant, community center, or place of worship. Next bullet point, you should not hold or attend celebrations such as parties where it's difficult to maintain social distancing and avoid close social interaction, even if they are organized by businesses and venues that are taking COVID secure steps. And final bullet point, you should not stay overnight away from your home with members of more than one other household your support bubble counts as one household. I have read all those. I am no, none the wiser. I, I don't really understand what the rules are. Can you tell them, explain it to me? Well, yeah, you've just read them. You're yeah, not, but what, do they, what does that mean? I mean, what's a support bubble? What's a support bubble? So your support bubble, when they explain bubbles, they said that you are able to have one whole household in which you'll meet, meet up with. So say, for instance, your household is my household our support bubble would be you and Christine and me and Tom in, because that's our support bubble. You're allowed one household that is your support bubble. What, for the whole forever or what? For now. This is just for now. So it, who's my support bubble now then? Have you got a support bubble? Have you uh, elected? Really, no. I, we haven't, we haven't, we only just started seeing people in the last couple of weeks. So I had, uh, I've had a couple of friends come here, but they've only been one person, which is allowed. So you're allowed to go out anywhere and meet people with up to six people from six different households. So for instance, I'm celebrating my birthday this weekend and I'm going to my best friend's house and staying just me on my own at her house. And then when we go out to meet other friends, we're only meet, meeting three other friends. So you've got to maintain distancing. You've got to try not to hug and kiss each other. You can sit and chat in a well-ventilated area. So outside, so we're going to an outside 
uh, roof terrace bar. Um, and then wait, if you want to go and stay at someone's house, you can only go and stay at that one person's house. As in you, one person can only go and stay in one house. So you haven't, you haven't elected a support bubble. Apparently we're supposed to elect one, are we? Is that, is that you how it works? You but yeah, I mean, you, you can have one support bubble in which you're able to go to each other's houses without there being too but people, much. But um, people are just going anywhere. I mean, people are going to other people's houses, but they're applying common sense. These are guide. This is gui guidance. It's not law. Well, so it is the, it, uh, the next paragraph says it is against the law for gatherings of more than thirty people to take place in private homes, including gardens and other outdoor spaces. Yeah, because that's when the risk increases and there is some sort of liability involved. Because it becomes, it's a bit like with um, a show. When you get to a certain amount of people, you need to have a license because you become liable for more people. I mean, it well, makes sense to me, but I, I've literally been working with government guidance for the last five months. Well, I'm glad you understand it because I don't, and I don't think I'm particularly thick. I'd be interested to hear what other listeners think about the rules, what it's listeners think it? about the rules. I think they are so um, impenetrable. They're certainly not easy to understand, and it's quite clear that they're not because even the BBC can't put, put out something that is easy to understand. So I think they have to be much, much clearer. So I just wanted to get on to the economy. Mm -hmm. um, so as you rightly said, the economy is, um, you know, huge in this. And one wonders where all that aspect is going. And I'm also, again, particularly interested from your different generational perspective. I think it's easier for older people like me who are sort of verging on the retirement age because uh, we haven't got to build a career. Um, uh, but you know how the government is going to deal with the hole in the um, in the economy, in in the you know the deficit. Effectively, I don't know how they can do now. There's been a lot of talk about Sweden where they haven't locked down, and a lot of people are asking, did we get it wrong by locking down hard, whereas Sweden just took a sort of more relaxed approach? What do you think about that? Well, I mean, I'm not sure that I agree. I mean, there are, there are countries that did full lockdowns that have had a really good recovery. Look at New Zealand, look at Slovenia, like they went into complete lockdown um, and they have had barely any cases. You know, I, th I think that it's almost sort of like luck, luck of the draw, really. I think the problem with the UK is it's so highly populated. Um, and I, I do worry a bit about people's hygiene because when you go on places, when you go to London, like public transport's not hygienic. It's a really easy place to pick up colds and flus and stuff like that. Um, so, I, I, it's, it's, you know, it's it, how could I possibly comment on whether it would have been better if we went into a much stricter lockdown straight away, or if we didn't at all? Well, I think um, the question is, what do we do now, really? Um, I, I, like I said before, I think that now people are starting to learn the, gov the guidance. And particularly with places like shops and restaurants and stuff like that, the moment they have good processes in place and they have, they understand what, what they should and they shouldn't do and what their liability is, there will be a way to, to move forward with a new normal in which we're able to protect ourselves and also have some sort of level of socialization. So it feels like the independents to me have adapted a lot better than the, the chains. Like there are a lot of chains that still haven't opened, you know, like big coffee shop mm. chains stuff um and um but but you know it, it, in an area like this where it's full of independence 
they've adapted really well. Everyone's got the piece, uh, the what do you call it, perspex screens. Um, they've got the dots on the floor for people walking in. They have hand sanitizer. People can only come in with masks on, and they have signage everywhere. I feel safe going into those shops. I but don't. Can, can they make money? Do you think? Can they make money? I think that a lot of them are making more money from online. And I think mm. a lot of cafes and restaurants are realizing the benefits of takeaway because it's much faster trade. So some of these coffee shops haven't done takeaway or delivery because they, they haven't had a chance to kind of work out how to do that. But lockdown has given everyone the, the, the flex, not the, I guess a little bit of time to kind of work out how they can offer that. Um, but I don't feel safe going into places like supermarkets, like the big superstores. I really don't. And it, I, I feel like I would much rather go to a small, my, my small organic food shop only lets two people in at a time. Because um, you probably pay a lot more money. I do, but I'd rather yeah. pay more money and, and feel safe. But the question is, where are we going to get the money from ultimately? I mean, you know, at the moment there's furlough. The, the furlough is ending soon. You know, we're headed towards 2 million unemployed by Christmas probably. You know, it's catching up. It's going to catch up. The, the problem is, is that it's hard for me to comment because I, I have a job, you know. I, I, I was furloughed from my own job and I found another job. And most of my friends have found jobs, even if it's meant working at, you know, you know um, Papa John's Pizza Place, you know, delivering pizzas. It's not great money, but, you know, friends of mine have gone to work in Super Bowl, you know, um, you know, family members have gone to go and work in supermarkets because it's the only work that's available. And mm. I, I, I don't know without, I don't want to come across as being judgmental or unfair, but I worry about the amount of people that have just, you know, signed up to universal credit because they've been unwilling to take on a job that they, they don't want to do. Like they're unhappy, they feel like it's beneath them or whatever, because there's still a lot of jobs available. I still see, I, I see more jobs being advertised right now than ever. In, in it's the very time. good hearing you sound like a conservative voter. I am not a fucking <laughs> conservative. I just don't think it's all doom and gloom. I mean, I, I feel like coronavirus is going to become another seasonal flu. I'm not saying it's not worse. It's definitely mm. worse than seasonal flu. But I don't think it's going away anytime soon. And I don't think that we can just stay in lockdown and just continue to be paid money sitting on our asses doing nothing. And at the same time, there are some, you know, the big tech companies, Apple, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, etc., are really benefiting. Um, you've got um, the guy at the top of Amazon, Bezo. He makes $13.4 million an hour. Yeah, so he should probably just pay his staff a bit more. <laughs> so I had a, so uh, Trace's um, fiance, Brad, said to me the other day, well, you know, why don't we have a sort of one billion pound or dollar cap on personal wealth? I mean, I think when you get to one, and I agree with Brad, when you get to one billion, I think you pretty much can say, okay, you've made it. Listen to you becoming the socialist. See? Listen, <laughs> you see, we're all changing. We're Maybe we're coming together. Maybe. Yes. Anyway, we come to the end. Of our time, our 30 minutes. We could have talked about a lot more. I had a lot more on the bullet point list, but I enjoyed that. That was good. That, that last bit was quite tasty, wasn't it? Yeah, I enjoyed <laughs> that. So thank you, Little Tone, and thank you, dear listeners. Please do keep cu have, uh, 
giving us your feedback. We love to hear from you. Steer our topics. You, you give us a really helpful um, uh, input, which we really, really appreciate. We love, love your participation. Uh, please go to uh, com in order to find all our episodes to date. And you can uh, find out other ways. You can find out how to reach reach us in terms of contact there. And you'll be able to also see us recording this um, as a live stream on our YouTube channel. Uh, you'll find out how to do that through the um, TonyCo.com uh, address that I just gave you. So thank you again very much. It's goodbye from me in the North Cotswolds and... Bye from me on the south coast. Bye for now.